1: It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things
2: golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. I
3: love play. Hey, bring me
1: another We it. And turn on the lights.
0: Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house tonight. Holly G, while Rich B continues on his vacation. What do you think about that rich behind the glass? Should the, he have this much vacation?
2: I'm just happy there's only one rich here now because it gets really confusing when you say rich and I don't know if you're talking to me, but whatever. But no, I, I think I should be the rich on vacation though. He should be the rich that's here. I
0: personally. I I agree. I don't know. I, I you know, I don't get any time off. What's up with this? He's, there's there's something totally upside down in this he's, whole uh, he's selfish.
2: Partnership. selfish rich bee.
0: Well, I think he's working on, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, his, his short game up there in Cape Cod on some of the sand dunes. And, and he's in Massachusetts? He's in Massachusetts. Oh, Lord. And he's, uh, piling down some lobsters. So, oh, um, had some chowder. Yeah. We're probably oh. going to have to get a chair twice the size in here when he comes <laughs> back next week, but I think he's having a great time. But hey, it was the British Open and Phil Mickelson, a historic round one for the record books, uh, winning at Muirfield and, uh, we're not going to waste any time and go to one of our key golf insiders to talk about this amazing finish on Sunday at the British Open. Jeff Babineau from Golf Week. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Holly G. What's going on? Oh, it's great to have you on the show and, uh, so I was surprised to hear that uh, you were like the rest of us watching uh, in your buddy slippers on Sunday here in the States.
4: How about it? Yeah, I actually was up on Cape Cod myself. So I don't know if there's any lobster left.
0: I know it. I'll tell you. You uh you were you were probably uh, drinking a few beers uh, in the in the booth next to Ridge B up there.
4: That's right. We had so it was a, a good place to have a pint and watch the uh you know I usually like I love going over to the Open one of my favorite uh tournaments and loved the flavor of it and, and certainly missed being there, but uh, watched a lot of it, and it was it was good stuff to watch on Sunday, that's for sure.
0: Well, uh, you know, give me your take on this in terms of, uh, you know, you've obviously covered the tour for many years, and uh, Phil probably having been a little bit in the shadows of Tiger Woods just because of, uh, you know, the streak that Tiger's been on for so many years, and what really what this means to his career he said it's a day he'll remember his entire life and one of the best rounds he ever played
4: yeah i mean for a guy that has accomplished so much i mean back to his days as a junior and a college player and you know winning before he even got out on tour um he he was a, he broke through a barrier on sunday i mean he he's a guy when you go across the pond you cover that championship you don't even think about Phil Mickelson i mean he had I think two top tens and 19 appearances, and he just, you know, he would he would play golf the way he plays it over here, you know, bombing it everywhere and playing it high in the air, and and uh, he didn't adjust. And and uh, you know, I think Butch Harmon had a big impact on Phil, and in, in kind of getting it to his head that he's so creative that he should love Lynx golf and the style of golf over there. And and finally, you know, he's kind of uh, dialed it back a little bit and really embraced. The type of golf that you need to play over there, and that was just a, a really tough golf course. You know, Muirfield's a great test, and and he just hit a different gear on Sunday when other guys were backing up.
0: Yeah, I mean, he just uh, there were there were no red lights. I mean, you know, he just sniffed it and away he went. Uh, four birdies out of the last six holes, a uh, sixty-six, and you know, in the interview Saturday, uh, you know, after his round, and they said, you know, what's it going to take? And he said, you know, I think right around even par. And he, he felt he could go out and do it. And, you know, Phil's that kind of guy. He will just get a number in his head. And, you know, I, I remember him saying it and said, you know, watch out. Here comes Phil. And a five under par, pretty impressive.
4: Yeah, and, I mean, even Phil, to a degree, looked surprised. I mean, I don't know that he really knew that that great round was out there. And, you know, making birdies on that golf course was a really tough task. And, and he was making a bunch of them. So uh, he was just moving in a different direction than these other guys on Sunday that were, you know, shooting 74s and 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 75s and these other high rounds. And, you know, to shoot 66 and do it that close to the lead, uh, no one was going to touch him. And, and it was just huge stuff. And on top of what he went through at Marion when, you know, I've seen him on, uh, I, I think I've been to all the U.S. Opens when he's been a runner-up six times. And he never has he looked so deflated as he did leaving Marion. That was his golf tournament. He knew he left it out there on Sunday, and should have had that one. And uh, to bounce back that quickly at a place where he hasn't had a lot of success, you know, it's just huge. It's big for his career, and and uh, I think it would be really neat if he could complete the career Grand Slam and maybe contend and win at Pinehurst next summer.
0: Well, I think it would be, especially considering their was that, you know, uh, win of Payne Stewart in 99 at Pinehurst uh, against Phil when he looked him right in the eyes and said, you know, you're going to be a dad and your golf will come. So maybe there'll be a little little magic going on there for, for Phil next year. It certainly would be, uh, would be very exciting to see him get that monkey off his back. Um, speaking of monkeys off his back, Lee Westwood hoping to have his first win, his first major win, Uh, were you kind of surprised he he looked like he you know was was just playing really really steady and really in the zone and this one should have been his
4: yeah i mean i he putted so well the first three days and that's really not his forte you know his his he's a ball striker and and a great one uh so when he putted so well you just wondered if it would hold up on sunday and uh you know it didn't he just um he didn't have it and he's got a lot of questions to answer he's you know he's made the move to florida and and you know year round good practice conditions with an eye on trying to get a major and you know at, at this point in his career and uh you know he talked about how golf doesn't disappoint him anymore at this point, but you know it had to disappoint him it had to be a tough one he had he had his son at his side all week, and uh that had to be a pretty tough one to swallow late Sunday night when he replayed the the day's events through his head.
0: To you guys I'm wondering especially um he seems to have played well played well in the open and and now seems to really get his uh get his game on for for the majors Hunter Mahan what do you think it's going to take him to break through and the other person is Zach Johnson
4: You know Hunter Mahan uh he just keeps kind of putting himself there and I I think that's a big key it, it's your comfort level on Sunday with the heat of a major championship and you know, although he didn't respond well playing in the last group, uh, you know, at Marion and at uh, at Muirfield, I think just getting there and the experience of it is something that's going to be valuable for Hunter Mahan. Um, he's got a, he's another kid, he's a great ball striker, and you know, when those tests get so hard and you really got to hit the ball straight off the tee and you have demanding iron shots into the green, it, a guy like that, it's going to pay off, and He'll go, and He's young enough and, and, uh, confident enough. And I think it's, you know, he's, he's making the small steps to get there. And, and, uh, you mentioned Zach Johnson. I mean, he's a guy you think would be built for majors, uh, something like a U.S. Open, the way he drives it so straight. And, and
0: very patient, you know, oh, patient. personality, yeah, right, very right. in himself.
4: Yeah. But, but, you know, his, his major record's kind of surprising. It's just not that good. And it's, um, it's tough on these guys cuz you only get four chances a year and and when you're not having success uh it wears on you a little bit and you start asking a lot of questions and you know it it takes a long time to to get on the other side of them so um you know those guys are they're going to keep searching until they get that major
0: and you know there was one point in the tournament on Sunday where i think there were 10 or 12 guys within a shot of the lead i mean it was just you know again one of these majors where you were just sitting on the edge of your seat the whole back nine, and of course uh, a late charge by Ian Poulter. What is it about this guy who yeah. just uh, turns it up a notch? I was there at Medina for the Ryder Cup, and you know he just he just loves seizing that moment.
4: Yeah, I mean he needs to take that Ryder Cup stuff and put it in a bottle and unleash it at a major. Um, he he made a nice move on Sunday. He was just a little too far out. Um, he's now he knocks down putts, so you think uh, you think he'd. Be a guy with a shot at a major, but you, know, you talk about all these younger guys trying to get them, and and you look at a championship like the Open Championship, and you know three years in a row you've had a guy in their 40s rise up and win them, and that's holding some of these younger guys back to a certain degree. That the uh, these older guys are hanging on and playing so well into their 40s and still competing and winning out there. So you know Phil getting a major, and you know, a guy like Darren Clark popping in there a couple of years ago, Ernie Els winning it, you know, 10 years from his previous Open Championship. Cabrera
0: I mean, right in the hunt there you know, towards Cabrera, the end.
4: right back in there. So, you know, the, the, life, the lifespan of these players is growing, and uh, you want to sit here and say all these guys are going to get their majors, but you never know. It's it's not an easy thing to do.
0: No, it isn't, and it's so deep. Um, Jeff Babino with Golf Week Magazine. Jeff, uh, tell us a little bit what else is going on this week and what our listeners can go see online at golfweek.com.
4: Yeah, we have a lot of good open coverage, you know, still from you have guys getting back from across the pond and we're already getting ready for the, the Solheim Cup around the corner and and the uh the women's open championship, you know, with MB Park going for the uh the asterisk asterisk slam, I guess.
0: Exactly.
4: Yeah. <laughs> so, uh you know, and it's amateur season. We got the uh, US amateur, we got the juniors going on this week. So And the senior British this week. Oh, senior British. It's just busy times, so uh, it's fun for us. All right. Quite a lot of great golf in the summer and it's always a good time. We
0: appreciate you heading to the PGA championship up at Oak Hill.
4: I am heading to the PGA championship. My hometown, you know. I will oh, see, awesome. I will see
0: you there, my friend.
4: Oh yeah. I will definitely hoist one there.
0: All right. Jeff Babineau, Golf Week magazine, golfweek.com. One of the best weeklies in our business. Check it out. Thanks so much for sending some time with us, Jeff B. 740 the game, the Golf Insider. Stay with us. We have a lot more coverage coming up
1: quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank uh, three yards and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking for goodness. Got the Strugglers Blues. The Strugglers
0: Blues. We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4. In the house, yours truly, Holly G., Rich B. still on a little sabbatical as he's tuning up his game. Ah! And Rich Walsh, behind the glass, keeping things under control. Very angry,
2: Rich Walsh. vengeful, fight.
0: Hey, but you've got the Patriots hat on, which Rich B. would be very happy to see. So it's all right. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, you know.
2: Oh, sorry to hear that.
0: You know what Bills stands for, right? No. Boy, I love losing Super Bowls. Ouch. Ouch. And, uh, so around the world of golf this weekend, Charles Barkley was giving out $100 bills to people on the seventh green at the Lake Tahoe tournament. I think we should have been catching some, uh, some greenbacks there. 100 yeah, right? bucks. He gave out something like, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars.
2: For anybody or a reason? Was there a reason?
0: Is there ever a reason behind anything that Charles does?
2: uh yeah, that's a good point.
0: Who knows? And, um, how about this little tidbit? Phil Mickelson, of course, winning the British Open, will pay over 60% of what he won the last two weeks in taxes between the U.S. and Great Britain. He won $2.2 million between the Scottish Open and the British Open, and after taxes, he'll only bring home 842000 So
2: he has to pay taxes not only to his homeland of America, but because he won it there. Is he, is he a dual citizen, or is just, that's just the no, rules?
0: Because it's the rules, in so terms if- of... Where he won the money.
2: If he was British and won it in America, he I know that he would have to pay taxes to Britain, but he would also have to pay taxes here. That's awful.
0: So, you know, the moral of that story, he just won't be able to buy quite as many Krispy Kreme donuts. Poor <laughs> Phil, only 842000 Oh, well. But, wow, what an amazing victory. And um speaking of great things, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that... um A very special tour was coming back to Florida, something that uh, was very, very popular and had a great history back in the 70s and 80s. It was the original Space Coast Golf Tour. And uh, for those of you who may not remember, a number of PGA Tour champions played on that tour. Kenny Perry, who, of course, is still as hot as blazes out there on the senior tour right now. Mark O'Meara, who played... Fantastically in the British Open, was up there on the leaderboard for um, most of most of the tournament. Paul Azinger and Mark Calcavecchia, all notable players that made their initial mark on the Space Coast Tour, and it's really exciting to know that this is coming back. And we have on the line the man that's making that happen, Mr. Jeffrey Bernstein. <laughs> Director of Business Affairs for the new Space Coast Tour. Hey, Jeffrey. Welcome.
4: Hi, Holly. How are you?
1: Thanks for inviting me. Oh, pleasure.
0: This is such exciting news. And, uh, you're, you've got an uh, ambitious goal. You're going to have something like 36 or seven tournaments here starting in October. And tell, 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 our listeners because this is, this is great news for pros in our area as well as, uh, really good amateur players who might want to get in on this.
1: That's correct. We're going to have more than 30 uh, two-day tournaments at top-notch golf courses in the Orlando region, uh, beginning at the Reunion Resort on October 21. And one of the big factors uh, is we're going to be guaranteeing the winner of the first-place open division a $5,000 first-place check. That will be guaranteed to the winner of the open division. We're also going to have uh, two other divisions for those that are 47 years and older and for those that are 60 years and older. And amateurs with a 3.0 USG index or lower, is also they're also very welcome to, uh, to play.
0: Well, I'm sure uh, you just probably perked the ears of a few of my friends and a, and a whole lot of the pros in the Orlando area as well as uh, – you know, nationwide, because this is a great opportunity for them to come down and tune up their game in the wintertime, As, especially given the changes and how, uh, you know, you you can now get onto the PGA Tour, uh, you know, something like this. We we need more mini tours to help these players get on the Web.com Tour.
1: Well, one of the primary reasons that we decided to do this, and I might add we have a, a, a great partner and a partner, Former player back in the 70s and 80s named Brian Schindler and uh, is also Mike Bender, one of the top five uh, PJ professional teachers in the country is also involved.
0: And, our, and, and lives he right here Bender. in Orlando, Mike Bender. Yes,
1: he has his uh, golf academy in the State of Art of facility in Lake Mary. And because of the changes in the uh, qualifying, whereas before somebody could go to Q school qualify and go right to the pga tour now they're going to go to the web dot com tour instead and there's no guarantee that they'll go further than that and so we felt that there was a tremendous need for a first-class mini tour that elevated the prize money and made the players feel as if there was a home away from home as they come from all parts of the country and the world to orlando and we wanted to take good care of the players as well as their families and that was one of the reasons uh, that we're very proud of uh, the various sponsors that we have which are made up of businesses of the type that the players and families would utilize when they're home and therefore when they're in Orlando they're still going to need those products and services and so we've brought in sponsors to address that
0: so tell us about some of the other courses that uh, you'll you'll be you'll be including in the Space Coast tour and and also, I believe you're going to have a couple of Pro-Am events, correct?
1: Right. We're going to have two Pro-Am events. The first one, uh, January 13th of next year at the Heathrow Country Club, and then on March 3rd uh, at the Black Bear Golf Club in Eustis, just outside of Orlando. Uh, those two Pro-Ams will benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of Central Florida and the Foals of Honor Foundation, which is the foundation that uh, provides financial assistance and scholarships to the surviving spouses and children of those in the military who gave their life to the country in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so we're very proud to have the affiliation with Make-A-Wish and the Bowls of Honor. With respect to the courses, I mentioned the reunion. We're going to be at Champions Gate. We're going to be at the Disney courses for a good part of December. Uh, Orange County National, Metro West, Eagle Dunes Golf Club. Probably around uh 20 uh golf courses will make up uh, around the 35 events that we're going to have, plus the two pro-amp. So we're very excited for that. And the courses have just opened up uh, their arms and have really uh, taken a liking to what we're doing, and they want to be a part. And we're very happy about that as well.
0: And you've put together some terrific sponsors already, including uh, Edwin Watts as your presenting sponsor, and I believe uh, Dixon Golf.
1: Yes, Dixon Golf is a uh, two-, three-year-old company headquartered in Arizona, which is manufacturing the first environmentally friendly golf ball. I've used it. I've got many good friends who have used it, and they love the ball, and they say it's the equivalent of a Bridgestone or a Pro V1. And so we're really pleased to have Dixon Golf aboard, as you mentioned, the presenting sponsor, Edwin Watts Golf, and all our other sponsors, the various local businesses uh in the orlando area the uh The public is welcome to go to the website, and on the home page is a list of all of the sponsors linked up to their website with their logo and uh those uh sponsors uh we're very pleased to say will be providing discounts for the products and services that they sell to the players and the players' families. And uh, we're really pleased about that because, again, the whole concept here is to uh, uh, make certain that the players feel at home, are comfortable, and that their families uh, are taking care of the different products and services that they normally would need when they're at home. And so that's what we've done. And, of course, the local businesses will benefit from it, not only uh, uh, from a standpoint of publicity but we'll be generating new business for them. And that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to create a a structure that not only benefits the aspiring golfers, but benefits the local businesses in Orlando and, of course, the charitable organizations. And uh, if we can instill that into the players and help the businesses out, we think we've done a good job. And well, that's what our goal is.
0: You're 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 doing a great job, and as your um, as your s- slogan says, just play it. Tell our listeners where they can find out more information about the Space Coast Tour, and especially all the pros out there uh, who are going to want to uh, play in this great tour come the fall.
1: Well, we hope that uh, they'll go to the website spacecoastprogolftour.com and register the entry fee for each tournament. Regardless of the division, regardless of your status as a pro or as an amateur, is four hundred and twenty dollars. And there will be a, a there's a one-time fee. There's no membership fee, Holly. And I want to make that clear to the audience. Many mini tours require a membership fee. We will not. What well, we're providing for a one-time fee of thirty dollars only, a player card, discount card, and they'll be able to take advantage of all the discounts, including utilizing uh, Mike Bender's uh, Golf Academy's practice facilities. They'll have access to instructions from both Mike and his staff and all the other businesses. And the, the, the tournament courses are providing extensive discounts for the players to practice and play prior, subsequent to any tournaments. So we're very proud of that as well.
0: Well, you you really have uh, put a great team together here, and um, of course, Mike Bender, as you mentioned, right in Lake Mary at the Magnolia Plantation Golf Club, and of course, uh, one of his uh, most notable students, Zach Johnson, and uh, he has been recently recognized, Mike, as one of the top five teachers in America by Golf Digest. So, what a what a great uh, association there with Mike, and uh, of course, as you mentioned, Brian Schindler. So. Uh, really excited about this. We're looking forward to being involved with you and to be covering the tournaments week to week here on the Golf Insiders. And once again, uh, SpaceCoastProGolfTour.com. Go check it out. Jeffrey Bernstein, thank you so much, and good luck with the Space Coast Tour.
1: Well, thank you very much, Holly. appreciate it, and I look forward to being back on to promote the tour. Now, that's what this is all about, the businesses and the players and the charities. And we appreciate you allowing us the time to uh, promote it.
0: Thanks so much, Jeff. You're listening to the Golf Insider, 740 The Game. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more Golf Talk.
3: Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us.
0: Well, that's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is.
2: Don't play in Pebble. Won't pay the price I love my muni I think it's nice
3: just make We're
0: back, the Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G. And Rich B. on vacation. Rich Walsh.
2: I can, I- I'm honestly going to tell you, When I hear the real version of these songs, this is what I sing. I sing sing the song that I hear every Wednesday between 6 and 7.
0: Well, I don't know. I think there were a lot of guys who were just trying to make par on Sunday at the British, and uh, it was was a wild day on Sunday. Phil Mickelson coming out on top, but a whole host of guys on his heels. And it's always uh, fun after the major to... Spend a little time on the couch and find out what, what was really going on with some of these guys in the final stretch. And to do that, we go to one of the best sports psychologists in the business, Dr. Bob Winters. Hello, Dr. Bob.
3: Hi, Holly G. How are you?
0: I am good. Um, your field did not disappoint. The British always, I think, uh, you know, just one of my favorite majors to watch with all those creative shots. Um, you would have thought with somebody like Phil Mickelson that this would have been a, you know, a major that he would have just had three or four by now just because of his creativity and the ability to hit, you know, so many great, uh, sh- you know, short short game shots. But I think the you know, the driver always something that got him into a little trouble here. But there's been lots of talk about uh, how his swing coach, Butch Harmon, sort of got him into the frame of mind of, of how to play Lynx golf. And I'd love to get your your take on it and your thoughts.
3: Well, I think you know Phil Mickelson, you know, is perhaps one of the all-time premier ball strikers and very creative with the short game. Uh, you know, when he came out of college, I mean, there was no one, you know, even his equal, even his rival, with the putter and the wedges and his creativity. And, you know, Tiger came along and he became, you know, pretty adept at, you know, the short game and the putter as well. But it just goes to prove when he comes down and Phil Mickelson hits great shots and you make putts, I mean, I'm talking about the very possible putts, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 footers. And he was actually just making those coming down the stretch. And you do that, you make putts at that elite level. I tell you what, you leapfrog a lot of people, he got his number up on the board, and everyone else was out there just trying to to struggle just to actually make pars, and here he is, you know, making a lot of red numbers, as Ian Poulter did earlier in the day, Holly. Yeah,
0: tell me about what what gets into his space between the ears, Dr. Bob, that he just gets in that moment and, you know, just uh, was on fire making a surge.
3: Well, I think, you know, sometimes you have players who just play with, you know, ferocious intensity. He's, he's very gritty, and I've known Ian for, for many, many years, and he is just that person. He is not to be denied, and when he feels like he's got some momentum going, and he's playing there in front of, you know, the European crowd and there in the Scottish uh, crowd, uh, that just really gets him fired up, and it really creates positive momentum. It really creates a swell, if you will, with Ian and he really gets on he really gets on a roll. And ever since, you know, his Ryder Cup performance, he really has grown in confidence. And like I always, you know, try to tell my athletes, it's one thing to have confidence and confidence waxes and wanes. But it's another thing to really create and become confident, knowing that it's going to show up. You may not access it all the time but when you can actually tap into it and say, I know I can play, I know I can shoot low scores, that's what an Ian Poulter, you know, has. And that's where that grit, that tenacity, and we call it mental toughness, really comes through.
0: Well, then let's talk about the next obvious person that seems to be uh, just lost his, um, his teeth on Sunday, and that's Tiger. Uh, As it's been pointed out, 23 over on Sunday, Saturday and Sunday in in the tournaments uh, that he's been in contention. What do you think's going on there? Of course, you know, Tiger always posturing and never really, you know, letting us into what really is going on. But it just seems to me that, you know, again, he said something about he couldn't get, you know, couldn't get the speed of the greens, you know, on Sunday. Um, but, hey, you know, all the guys are out there playing the same green. So, you know, what's your take on Tiger?
4: Well,
3: my take now, Holly, on this is that Tiger trying to get this next major, his 15th, it's almost, you know, like someone trying to to win their first major. He's almost into what we call a triosity uh, mode. He's trying so hard. He wants it so bad. And there's so much of expectancies and expectations put on him, not only by himself, but by others in the whole golfing world. We always talk about, well, is he going to win another major? Are you going to win another major? And, you know, that starts to wear on you over and over. And it's really like, you know, just sandpaper. It just starts to wear you down. And I think that's the biggest thing. If he goes out and plays golf to beat the golf course, like he has said he does all the time, He's fine, but I think something happens in the fourth round where he says, I really have to kick it up a notch. He doesn't have to kick it up any notch. All he has to do is to continue to play great Tiger Woods golf. And it's pretty much, we talk about Tiger Woods, I can talk about Lee Westwood in the same vein. And Lee Westwood gave a great interview, and he said, you know, I didn't do a lot of things wrong on today. I just didn't do enough things right and the difference, Holly, between being really, really good on the final day of a major championship and being pretty mediocre, it's maybe just a putt or two here or there, maybe a five-footer, an up-and-down, or maybe just a 10-foot birdie putt that creates that swell, just that little momentum that gets you going from one side to the other. And that's really all it is, you know, for these players. And, And I tell you what, Phil Mickelson got that swell, got that momentum going on the backside, especially those last five or six holes. Ian Poulter did it in the last round. And and it is, you know, a very thin curtain between being really great and being pretty average.
0: Well, and, you know, Adam Scott, again, the Masters winner who was right in there and tied with Mickelson. And then you saw him hit that almost a little bit of a shank, I think, on 13 uh, and of course, um, you know he missed missed the putt for par, and you could start to see a little uh, air go out of uh, go out of the tires there. And
3: that's, and that's the big point. It's just you always have to sustain and maintain that momentum. And whatever happens, you have just got to keep fighting because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, a four, five, six shot lead in a major championship in just a couple of swings, it can actually dissolve you know, quicker than, you know, a cloud. It really does. And that's why you play until you're done. You give your best on every shot. And then when you come in, you say, I gave it all on the golf course. And that's really what we try to do with all of our players. You know, you play and you finish the race one after one until you're done.
0: Great advice, Doctor Bob. And for our listeners, where can they go learn about your academy, and if they want to uh, set up a lesson and and talk a little uh, little between the ears with one of the best in the business, Doctor Bob?
3: Well, thanks, Ali. They can go to and you know, go br Bob Winters, Doctor Very simple to get a hold of me. I've got a great website. We've got a great middle game profile, but it's at www.dot drbobwinters.com and, and I tell you what I work you know, with all types of golfers I work with the best in the world and I work with the most emotionally challenged in the world and we try to help everyone get better
0: well that would be Rich B but you know he's on vacation <laughs> so we're, we're hoping he's going to come back a little uh, more centered next week but uh, Dr. Bob we always enjoy spending time with you right here in Orlando our very own Dr. Bob Winters thank you so much for spending some time with us
3: Hey, thanks, Holly. You're
0: Thank listening you to the Golf Bye-bye. Insiders, 740 The Game. We have Jeff Shane from PGAtour.com coming up next. Stay with us. Thanks.
4: First, I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing. And then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I
1: want my dream. Yeah, I
0: We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4. In the house, Holly G, wrapping up another hour of Intelligent Golf Talk. And we're talking about the British Open. Phil Mickelson, big, big time, popular win, historic win on Sunday, 5 under 66. And we're going to go to Jeff Shane from PGATour.com to get his thoughts on Philly Mick's victory. What do you say, Jeff?
5: How are you doing tonight?
0: What a tournament. I'm telling you. I just, I just love the British Open, love getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and, you know, <laughs> sipping a little OJ and champagne and watching, watching them try to get in the barn on Sunday. Wow, what a horse race.
5: It was, and it it was especially impressive the way Mickelson Nichol- didn't just win the tournament. he had to go out and take that tournament from from five shots off and uh yes, Lee west would open the door for for lots of people but if anybody that can make four birdies on the last six at a major even
0: if you even if it's the masters that's you know that's quite unconscious. <laughs> I don't Absolutely. think that I don't think anybody would have predicted that, and um, I, I I think uh, I don't think anyone was also probably kicking themselves too much. Uh, although Adam Scott seemed a little bit disappointed, but I think given how Phil went out and just uh, took control of the tournament in the last six holes, it was pretty remarkable.
5: Yeah, and and, and it was really kind of a, a free for all up until even after Phil made his first two birdies with I would say with four holes left for Phil. Uh, it was uh, It was still really anybody's horse race and, and Adam Scott did have a share of the lead for a little while and um a lot of uh, a, a lot of pretty good play i don't even fault Lee Westwood for shooting seventy five and and uh, blowing his two shot lead because you look at those scores on Sunday, there were a lot of seventy fours and seventy fives up and down the board, but there was only one sixty six on Sunday, and there are only two sixty sixes in the entire tournament, so Phil came out
0: with his best at the right time. You sure did. So this week, they go to the Canadian Open, the RBC Canadian Open, a uh, pretty dis- decent field up there. You've got Graham McDowell and Matt Kuchar and Brant Snediger, Bubba Watson. What do you see shaping up in the Canadian Open? A lot of
5: those names that you mentioned uh, also have a sponsorship deal with the Royal Bank of Canada, RBC. And so uh, I think that's uh that that helps boost that field it's a very tough it's a, it may be the toughest week of the year uh to uh put a field together uh the week after the british when you've got so many guys uh who, who just need a nap down
0: after a major they need a nap yeah, exactly <laughs> and then
5: you throw in the time difference five hour time difference in this case I mean, imagine if it was in British Columbia as it is sometimes and it's an eight hour time difference so uh the fatigue factor I think is going to be a big thing for those that stayed and played all four days at Muirfield uh then you've got to come back you got to turn around maybe you Maybe you give up a practice day just to kind of get your hours straightened out. So there are going to be some guys, uh, some big names, that are going to have to find some extra in their tank of gas. And uh, It's almost advantageous for the Canadian Open for guys that maybe had missed the cut, like Luke Donald. Luke sh- shot 80 in the opening round, really never had a chance in the second round, came back early, so he's going to be a little bit closer to refreshed, than guys like Hunter Mahan or Brant Snedeker or,
0: or Matt Kuchar. So, or, or even Dustin Johnson, uh, I, I think, who had a good British again.
5: Yeah, exactly. Uh, any of those guys, uh, I think that, that they're – I won't say they're running on empty, but but their tank's going to be pretty low. And I think that that's probably one reason why the Canadian Open has had some really interesting winners from maybe just just under that level. Uh, on the radar, and there's a lot of guys to choose from in this list. Uh, I'm looking at Daniel Summerhays, who just missed a playoff at the John Deere, and then lost a playoff last week in Mississippi. Uh, maybe, maybe he can put it together one more week. And and,
0: uh, how, about and win? how about Woody Austin? How about Woody Austin winning winning in the Sanderson Farms event in a playoff, which a lot of people you know may not have caught that there was another tournament going on and. Woody's actually uh, from uh, the Tampa area, I believe, but 49 years old and and winning uh, first time in, I don't know, what, six or seven years?
5: First time since 2007 for the pride of the University of Miami. and uh, Woody Austin does have that kind of interesting distinction. The University of Miami shut its golf program down about 10 years ago. He is the last remaining professional golfer from the University of Miami men's golf program, but now he's got he, – he's got – carte blanche he turns 50 early next year and so he gets to pick and choose events on two tours and he's going to have a place to play uh no matter which side he he decides to
0: choose prime priming himself for the for the uh, champions tour uh speaking of some good golf how about the mini tour player who shot a 56 jesse massey in louisville kentucky on friday Do you catch that story
5: uh, you know what? That that one eluded me, and
0: I I can't even. And, and, that, and that was 56. with that was with a penalty. He shot a 56 what? in the afternoon at the Hooters Tour event in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Woo! That's uh that's on what fire. Was, what was the penalty for skipping a hole? Maybe I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, that's 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 some good golf. And um and then of course we had Beatrice Ricari held off uh, Paula Creamer, who we were hoping maybe would uh break uh, break her uh, drought here at the Toledo uh actually the marathon classic in Toledo, which used to be the Jamie Farr, so it was good to see Paula uh back uh, on the top of the leaderboard.
5: It it was, and you just you, you keep wondering when Paula's gonna get that elusive Win. She hasn't won since the, the 2010 U.S. Women's Open, which was such a surprise because that came something like eight weeks after she had undergone thumb surgery. And uh, it was a great win then, but uh, you would really think that, that she'd have another one by now. But thumbs up, uh, so to speak, to, to Beatrice Ricari, who I believe is one of only three or four multiple winners on the tour this year.
0: And NB Park, what do you think as uh, we're approaching uh, the next major for the women?
5: Well, I, I think it's hers to lose. She, certainly she's going to have to deal with the spotlight and uh, and deal with all the extra attention. Um, it's going to be great for the women's game because uh, you, you don't get a whole lot of that. And I, I think even, even those that may not watch a lot of women's golf uh, are going to pay a little bit of attention because – how many players, when, you know, when was the last time anybody won four professional majors in the same calendar year? Answer, never.
0: That's right. All eyes should be honored, and so should every cover of every golf magazine, saving their space for that one. And finally, we have the Senior British Open this week and weekend uh, at uh, Royal Birkdale. And Mark O'Meara, where he won uh, the Claret Jug there 15 years ago, uh, you know, had a great British Open at uh, 56 years old. So he ought to be feeling really good going into to the senior Open.
5: You, you would think so, and he certainly got off to a great start. That 67 that he opened with at Muirfield was one off the, the first-round lead that, that Zach Johnson put together. Kind of like the Canadian Open, though. You don't have the time zone factor to deal with, but you, you do have a little bit of question about – the fatigue factor after playing four tough rounds with, with with the young guns at Muirfield for for guys like O'Meara who played four rounds, uh, are they ready to come right back at it at a tough Birkdale setup?
0: Well, we are right in the heat of the season um, with uh, all these great tournaments uh, right, right in the next couple of weeks, including the PGA Championship um, in two weeks or three weeks, I should say, at Oak Hill Country Club. So, uh, we are just rocking along here. Jeff Shane, thank you so much, and uh, everybody can catch you at PGATour.com. What's your story this week? we got about 10 seconds. And just, uh just finished a
5: column on Jamie Lovemark, who uh, was a big hot shot uh, coming off the Web.com tour before back injuries derailed him. He's back. He won his first event since 2010 at last week's event in Kansas City. He'll be on the PGA Tour, I think, in the fall.
0: Awesome. As always, we appreciate you spending time with us, Jeff. Shane, thanks so much. And thanks to all our golf insiders tonight, including Jeff Babineau from Golf Week and Jeffrey Bernstein from the Space Coast Tour and Dr. Bob Winters. We appreciate all our listeners. As always, lots of great golf this week and weekend. Sit back, go play a little, and uh, watch some golf on TV. And keep tuned to the Golf Insiders. We'll be back next week. Thank you. We're out of here.